I got to breakfast and not only did they have smoothies that they actually had protein in it, they had the macros listed. I was like taking pictures and posting it everywhere because I was so happy that somebody had this thoughtful thing that was like, well, I guess I'm having breakfast today because this is too good. It compelled me to have breakfast because I usually skip it because I can't get the nutrition I'm looking for. Yeah, They're going to make that decision of if they're going to do it again, right? By how much they go through. And if nobody takes it, then it's like, why do we even bother? So I took two of them because I was like, yep. And the best part was I was like, oh, can I have two scoops? Uh, of protein, protein and they're yeah. like and they're like Water. yeah sure oh my i was like i got 40 grams of protein in my morning shake that they had in the general session room and i was like this is oh my god i feel so seen this is magnificent i love it it would take like a whole week to get that kind of protein amount of protein in a breakfast offering at any other event <laughs> seriously <laughs> It was incredible. I was like, this is fantastic. And the fact they had the macros listed, I've never seen that since I've done an event. Like that only happens at like 24 hour events. Welcome to Events Demystified Podcast, where we explore and demystify the world of in-person, virtual, hybrid event AV production and technology by sharing insightful tips, tricks, and tactics to make your events a success. This podcast is brought to you by Tree Fan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency. And your host is Anka Trafan, a technical event planner and producer with almost two decades of hands-on technical experience in event production. Welcome to another season and another episode of Events Demystified Podcast, your one-stop shop for any technical and practical planning advice for anyone in the events industry. This podcast is sponsored by Trifun Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency, and I am your host, Anka Trifun. On the show with me today, I have David Stevens, Director, Film Marketing and Global Events for Data.World. Also, someone that is a four-time self-proclaimed fittest male event professional in the industry. And I'm not contesting that, but we're going to have to talk a little bit about it, give it a little bit of context and figure out what's up with this. I mean, I'm just going to come up with a title myself at one point. Why not? Like maybe I'm the best person in the event industry to do push-ups on a challenge. And what else? I'll, we'll figure it out. In the meantime, David is someone that has been planning meetings, events, incentives in media, live entertainment, agency, association, and corporate organizations for a long time, about two decades. That sounds like a long time. He has also earned a Dallas Wellness for Meetings and Events Certificate, is Pandemic Meeting Event Design Certified, BizBash 500, Connect 40 Under 40, and Smart Meeting Planner of the Year. He credits the ability to create true experiences for event attendees to the clarity and mental breaks that his workouts throughout the day give him. I hear there's a lot of burpees involved. That's when I'm out. I'd rather do push-ups instead, but we can talk about that later. He and the Olympian meeting team, including a medical doctor and nutrition coach, authored a white paper on the increased ROI that can come from increasing wellness into the event and the meeting that you're planning. We're going to touch on that. You're going to be able to 
actually download this white paper in the episode notes. In the meantime, how about we welcome David in and we can ask him all about the self-proclaimed title, all about wellness for events, tips and strategies, how to do that better in this brand new year that we just entered. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest in. David, and welcome Happy. to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Happy New Year to you as well. How are you doing and how fit are you after the holidays? I always like to think of it as an opportunity for gain season. Okay, bulking, bulking. Yeah, I call it bulking. Yeah. It's an opportunity. There's no shortage of calories everywhere you look. So, you know, it's a good opportunity to lift a little heavier, put your body under a little more work. And uh, if you feel like pulling back a little bit on that hard line of meal planning and things of that nature, you might as well put those calories to work and get a little positive on the size side out of it and get a little stronger because we all know you don't get stronger by not having calories. Just look at, just look at your strong men, right? Words, that's for sure. Facts, big facts. Now, a little bit of background here, David. We connected on LinkedIn right before IMAX in 2022. And I'm not sure right now whose idea was at first to come up with this push-up challenge that we ended up having during one of your super early boot camps. I mean, this boot camp, it was scheduled at an ungodly hour right after a very long Vegas party. And somehow we managed to show up. I mean, come on. I do show up to a challenge, like get me there to win something. You know, I'm there and I'll show up. And I remember that we were like gathering ourselves to do this challenge. And as far as I'm concerned, I remember winning. Now, I know there's a little bit of debate by how much and if that really happened. I have the footage. I will have to review it at one point in my life. In the meantime, apparently there's going to be a rematch for this year's IMAX. So so have no worries and make no mistake, I will be prepared for it. I'm in it to win it. So enough with the bragging, enough with all the background. How about we talk about you a little bit? I would love to have you give our audience, just so that they get to know you a little bit, a little bit of a glimpse in this like four times fittest male event pro. How did that come about? And also what has been your journey in events so far? I mean, if you've been around for two decades, you probably wore more than a hat, probably multiple hats, many sometimes at times at once, right? I would love to know what that journey was and also what keeps you here after so many years. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'll start with the journey first because that's what led to everything else. So my journey started, I grew up in the Bay Area in Silicon Valley and my first job was a sales rep. And I worked a trade show and I just fell in love with the whole chaos that was the trade show, but I was the AE on the show floor. After that, I ended up actually, my first, first, first events job was a promotional job for Vince McMahon's football league back in like, I'll just age myself here, 1999, I want to say. It might've been 2001. I don't know. It was forever ago. And I was on the San Francisco's XFL football team on their street team. And the league went bankrupt. 
but I worked nights and weekends while I worked my sales job regular days because I just had loved events. It was so much fun. I segued from there into radio. I worked in radio for a number of years and worked my way up until I was a promotions director. And that included on air as well as going out and about into concerts and things of that nature. That led into some agency work doing experiential marketing tours as well as a little small event called uh, Spring Break for MTV. You might've heard of it, which that's pretty much when my hair went. Then I... Lots but, of your hair. <laughs> yes, the, on top of my head. And then after I did that for a little while, I did some concert tours. It was just too much travel, which is a weird thing to say. But like, I had no friends because nobody saw me. I didn't even have an apartment. Like, my stuff lived in a storage unit. That, that just wasn't for me. So I got out of it. I got into association planning. I worked for a chamber of commerce in Mountain View. I came back to the Bay Area, and then I segued into meeting its agency, and then got recruited into corporate. Now, one of those corporate jobs I got was working at 24-Hour Fitness's headquarters, and I got to plan their incentive trip and their corporate meetings and things of that nature. And it really taught me a different way of planning a meeting because a lot of it was for club managers or the personal training team or things of that nature. And that, that really is a company that believes that they need to live their brand. So every morning started with a workout. And if you didn't show up to the workout, like you just did at IMAX. Yep. Mm -hmm. 6 AM. But the difference was they didn't really do anything at night. They did a dinner. People didn't really drink much. Then they went to bed and then breakfast every morning was, you know, it was egg whites and bacon. People people committed to their health, right? Yeah. And they weren't going to let a meeting change how they ate or performed. I will say, What was really fun is I got to ask very interesting questions in registration about finding out because it impacted food and beverage. Are you on a gain? Are you on a cheat day? Are you on a cut? Asking those questions to understand what kind of Mm -hmm. consumption levels people were going to have really helped understand how to order food and beverage for that event. The other thing is if somebody is on a cheat day while they're there, you don't have anything for them. They are going to be so angry because that's their one day to go yep. off the rails and eat whatever they want. And if you're like, sorry, you're still getting egg whites. And they're like, this is, I want a cinnamon roll and I'm going to kill you if I don't get one. <laughs> you had to plan accordingly. So it was really interesting yeah. what, how they prioritized their wellness around their meetings. So that's that's kind of where this this little seed started and got planted in my brain that you could meet that way. And then I've stayed in the corporate world ever since. But with that, I got into CrossFit a few years later. They have a thing called the CrossFit Open, which is happening in approximately a month, a little over a month. It happens in the oh, middle of February. that's where all those burpees you've been doing in the last couple of months are coming from. I see what's happening. So the middle of February is the CrossFit Open, and it is a online global contest that everyone around the world does the same workout. They might do different versions of it, depending on what their abilities are. But that's kind of where this came from five years ago. So I'm going for number five this year. Five years ago, they introduced industry or occupational hashtags. And they had, you know, who's the fittest doctor? Who's the fittest firefighter? Who's the fittest? Because for the CrossFit Games, which is their pinnacle, their Olympics is the fittest on earth. That's their thing. The fittest man on earth, the fittest woman on earth. And so that who's the fittest firefighter on earth? Who's the fittest police person on earth? Who's the fittest doctor on earth? Who's the fittest nurse? And I put event prof in there because I thought that is, that felt a little more inclusive than like meetings. It it gets everybody. 
And for the first two years, I was solo on the leaderboard. So I was the <laughs> fittest event prof, period. Undisputed. Um, <laughs> undisputed. And then the last couple years, the leaderboard has gotten busier. Not surprisingly, it's a lot of females that showed up in the last few years. Then there has been one other gentleman who I've competed with the last couple of years. And fortunately, I've been able to to best him the last couple of years, but not well, it surprising. It sounds like we need to make a call for more event props to challenge David at this worldly, globally <laughs> Bring it on. contest. Come on, come on. We have what? to challenge this. Yes, I welcome it. I love it because I will say as someone who is fairly competitive and likes to perform, because these workouts are different, they test strength, they test cardio, they test overall endurance. They, they give these mixtures of things. That's why they call it fittest. There are certain things that aren't necessarily my best. I'm not necessarily the strongest. There's people that are going to be stronger than you, but there's then people that are going to be faster than you. So it's, I think it was the third week last or the second week last year, and we were tied going into the third workout. And I knew in my mind, I had to push myself if I wanted to keep this made up nonsense title. But I knew for me, I had to go and it was time to get to work. And it was time to show up with my absolute best I had to offer. And it was fantastic. And I've tried to find the other guy like on LinkedIn or Instagram or something. So I can say, hey, man, this is great. Thank you, Thank you for pushing me. I can't find him. But I will say there is an event prof who went to the CrossFit Games. She, no surprise there, was on a team. Of course, the women are fitter than the guys. But she was on a CrossFit team. And I think they placed like 10th overall. But like that's mind-blowing. They're doing things where they're like 70 dumbbell overhead lunges and just impressive impressive stuff so absolutely before i got into bodybuilding actually i was very much into crossfit myself as well bodybuilding kind of changes your routine and the form the way you do exercises and you know you just the way you build the package they're gonna show up on stage with which is your body basically and i remember like those are like tough workouts like you don't just show up there to play and have fun you're gonna have to push yourselves and you're gonna have to you know definitely if you want to reach the competition challenge and there's plenty of competitions to be involved with if you're competitive i happen to be i mean don't say anything <laughs> whoever said that i am not probably they're thinking about somebody else obviously that's why i show up for the challenge however what i realized is that having someone to compete with it's so much more fun as, as you just mentioned, it's so much more challenging because you're going to want to step up. You're going to want to push harder. You're going to want to not beat them, but you're going to want to bring the best version of yourself and the best form that you have. And to me, a competitor in my field, it only makes me want to work harder for what I want. And sometimes, you know, people are like, well, you know, competition, competition here, competition there. It's like, they're good for you. Like they push you to go farther, regardless if it's business, fitness, whatever, personal growth, you name it, right? And I love that you mentioned that because it's so important to look at it from that perspective. Now, as we are, because we got that covered, now we know who the fittest man in the CrossFit Games is. We're going to see if 2023 brings that fifth title to you. I'm, you know, definitely rooting for you, David. And I don't know. That's because you don't know who else is competing yet. Yeah, but also I don't know necessarily if that's really good for your ego. So maybe we need to find someone else. <laughs> To just bring on board someone, please show up. <laughs> but before we dive more into this idea of wellness and what does it look like to be an event professional that is mindful of it and not just for yourself, but for everyone that's involved in the event, what I want to just 
take it one step back maybe and start looking a little bit at this journey of 20 years that you've had in events and event production because you've also done a little bit of events I mean I love the fact that you were in radio like I have that as my background and it's something that I think it's cool it's super rad now those 20 years two decades right in events and you've traveled to different segments of the event industry how do you feel like the industry has changed from association concerts corporate from your point of view I will say in the last three years, there has been a big gap between traditional meeting or events person and an AV person has gotten a lot smaller in way of knowledge. It used to be, you would talk to, somebody could be a CMP or a CMM and you would talk to them about production and they would understand some things. But if you said, you know, what's a DI? They're like, I don't know. Or how many channels do you need on a mixing board? They'd be like, uh, I don't know. I, my person does that. A lot of people that didn't have that background had to get a crash course when we moved into this hybrid and online event world, because that was how you were successful. If you understood production, that was your opportunity to shine. I think fortunately the company I was at, the person I had hired came from radio and we both knew when all of this went down, we're like, okay, so we're TV show producers now. That's what we have to do. Mm -hmm. And we just started fiddling around with our online production tools and be at the Z1 and figuring out what we could do. And we would spend, I don't know, anywhere from a half hour to 90 minutes, at least once a week, just jumping on a call together and trying things. So I think that has closed a lot. And I think all the hard work that production teams have done for a long time, that has been literally behind the scenes, Video Village is tucked behind the screen, the producers front of house is at the back of the room and people just, you know, they all wear show black and they're all just trained to blend in and like just disappear. I think our industry has a, a significantly newfound respect for the importance and the impact those people and those teams have on attendee experience as well as the overall event experience because it changes everything. Absolutely. I love that you bring that as a new perspective to look at things that way, because you're right. One, if you are an event planner that has not embraced technology in the last three years, probably you're already doing something else right now because technology is going to be part of your event, regardless if you like it or not, if you want to embrace it or not. And then secondly, there's definitely not that behind the scenes tech teams ever wanted appreciation. I mean, it's nice to have it and get it, but being appreciated for a well done job, it's come to a different level like you just mentioned, because of this awareness that was built, like those people that do all those magic things behind the scenes. Now we have an understanding. The curtain has been lifted up a little bit to see what's happening. And some people will be like, I love what you're doing. I want to do more of that. Others will be like, no, thank you. Please handle this side of the job because I don't want to touch it ever again because I know what virtual events meant for me and my events during COVID and the craziness of what that was. Now, to come back to the topic of conversation here, aside from that, also aside from DEI, which I feel like it came into conversation so much more in the last few years and sustainability and sustainable events and how does virtual events actually are more sustainable than in-person events. Anything else that comes to mind that might matter more now than it did before? 
Yeah, I think people are bringing more of, I'll be honest, the last 15 years, the big shift was people understanding experiences and experiential. I was fortunate that I worked in that industry a while ago, and I got to be a part of it when it was first coming out. And it was only the big brands that understood it and that were spending the money on it. And that was what things were starting to move towards. People were starting to understand that when you can evoke emotions with people, that connected them to you more. And that shift was starting to happen. But the the big shift that really came through from the pandemic for me that I'm seeing is people are bringing more of their themselves at home to events. They want more of what they have at home. If they're going to leave their house, they want the comforts that they have at home. Otherwise, why would they leave? They would just go attend the event online. So I think we have to be a lot more intentional and thoughtful about what we are providing for people on site, because if we don't, they're going to leave and never come back, let alone leave frustrated or disappointed or whatever. But I think that's a big shift. We have to ask a lot more questions than we used to because people are so much more discerning. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I think for me, we were talking about this in Vegas when we were at IMAX, how important is to just have some of the considerations of what people would prefer to have, like you mentioned, just in the food and beverage offerings. Like I always bring my protein shakes with me. (laughs) Sometimes I carry, like if I travel for a longer period of time, like a whole suitcase is dedicated to my protein. And I know I'm not the only one. I know somebody else is guilty of that. <laughs> I don't know who that might be. And there's people like me that be like, you know, I can trust that what's going to be offered on the breakfast, whatever buffet, it's going to serve me well, right? So then I have to make my own choices. Now, how much better and more beautiful would it be if somebody just offered like some protein shakes? It's not a big, I mean, is it a big deal? Could it be such a big deal that we don't offer it? I mean, I would love to have that. So I went to an event and I'm going to plug them because they deserve it. I went to an Alhai event. It was in San Antonio and now I'm blanking on the hotel name. But either way, I got to breakfast and normally I, on event days and when I go to conferences, I tend to fast in the mornings just because there's so much calories just abundantly passed out everywhere. So I, I don't start eating until noon. But I got to breakfast I'd done a workout. I'd done a workout with the group. They had like a boot camp that was awesome. And then I got to breakfast. And not only did they have smoothies that they actually had protein in it, they had the macros listed. I was like taking pictures and posting it everywhere. I put it on Instagram. I put it on Twitter when, you know, Twitter was the old Twitter. I put it everywhere because I was so happy that somebody had this thoughtful thing that was like, well, I guess I'm having breakfast today because this is too good because they're going to make that decision of if they're going to do it again, right? By how much they go through. And if nobody takes it, then it's like, why do we even bother? So I took two of them because I was like, (laughs) yep. And the best part was I was like, oh, can I have two scoops of protein? And they're like, and they're like, yeah, sure. I was like, I got 40 grams of protein in my morning shake that they had in the general session room. And I was like, this is, oh my God, I feel so seen. This is magnificent. I love it. It would take like a whole week to get that kind of protein, amount of protein in a breakfast offering at any other event. (laughs) Seriously. 
it was incredible. I was like, this is fantastic. And the fact they had the macros listed, I've never seen that since I've done an event. Like that only happens at like 24 hour events. Okay. So here's a call to all event professionals out there. 2023, let this be the year when we are more aware of some of the needs of some people like us that do care about their macros. And if you're like, what in the world is that? We're talking about micronutrients, people like you want to know if you're aware of what your nutrition is and where it comes from and what it should be. You want to know how much fat, how much protein, how much carbs you're gonna get that day i've been counting actually macros for years i don't say that i always do it perfectly like i yesterday i skipped half of the evening because i went to a party <laughs> didn't want to know where my carbs came from at that point <laughs> however I'm very insistent on keeping a really good record of my macros, especially as it helps me navigate through my seasons and bulking and cutting. And especially if you're really interested in competing, that's so much more important. And anyone that's been in the fitness industry, they know what we're talking about. And I would love to see more of that. I mean, probably that's a far stretch from where we're at right now, but why couldn't it be something that we can all aspire to have at our events? I think just having protein at breakfast would be a great aspirational point. I went to another event. I was going to skip breakfast and I got down there and they had an omelet station. And I looked over at the omelet station and the chef was jacked. And I was like, huh, I bet <laughs> I'm going to go take a look because if chef is picks up some weights, maybe I went over there, they had egg whites, they had spinach, they had turkey bacon, like they had this. And I was like, I guess I'm having breakfast today because I know I'm going to get my protein in in the morning. It compelled me to have breakfast because I usually skip it because I can't get the nutrition I'm looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we move into this main topic of conversation that we basically been sort of kind of talking about it for the last half an hour, but really there's a point to this. There's actually going to be some tactical tips, you know, how to do this right. I would love to tackle a topic here as it relates to networking, because I feel like that's a big piece of how do we get the word out? How do we get more people to be aware of some of those things, but also being willing to partner and be allies to wellness and wanting to, you know, introduce that more into our events. So if you're an event professional, honestly, in our industry, and if you've reached any level of whatsoever success without engaging in networking and relationship building, you just can't do it. And I know marketing is your strong point, David. So would you maybe give a few tips on how how to do networking right, regardless if you're new or seasoned, and what's basically the main objective to keep in mind when you go out and network? So this is something that I'd like to think a fairly unique perspective because I spent three and a half years at a chamber of commerce and like, that's what a chamber of commerce is. Mm -hmm. It is designed exclusively to bring people together and we would have new member events and we would teach people how to network. I'm not saying I ran those classes, but I was in the room and I listened. And the main thing was don't approach the conversation from an angle of what can I get out of it? approach the conversation of how can I help this person. The other thing to keep in mind is you don't know who they know. You might talk to someone who is, I don't know, they tell you what they do and you're like, you aren't going to bring me any business. Why am I bothering with you? And it turns out they're childhood friends with the CEO of a company. And because you were a jerk, they're never going to refer you now. But if you would talk to them in a way that was compassionate and genuinely interested in how you could help them, they very well would be like, you know who my best friend is so-and-so and you're like 
oh my God, I've been trying to land that account forever, or you're in an RFP process or whatever it is. But if you go into a networking event with how can I help other people, that is the easiest way to ensure that your pipeline gets full. I love that. That's the moneymaker right there. Quite literally. <laughs> Quite literally. Okay, well, hold that thought. We're going to take just a super brief moment to acknowledge our sponsor, and we shall be right back to continue our conversation. Tell me it's McDonald's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not. <laughs> Before we move any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifan Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual, and hybrid events. The team at Trifan Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement, and co-creation while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. To find out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event become memorable, go to trifunevents.com. Welcome back to our conversation with David Stevens, the fourth self-proclaimed fetus male event prof, also a runner-upper to a push-up challenge we both did in Vegas that someone here has won. And apparently there's going to be a follow-up challenge to contest such claims. We'll see how that goes. In the meantime, this is beginning of the year. So right off the bat, I knew that for the first few episodes of the year, I wanted to tackle this one topic that both of us are quite passionate about, wellness and staying fit behind the scenes and front of scenes. And anyone that's planning and running events, when you are doing those super long hours, so important to have enough stamina to carry you through long days and long hours, basically on the event side. Also, I feel like when you're in front of the scenes, right, your person that's presenter, the keynote speaker, having the ability to bring them closer to the conversation and make them being aware of what wellness means for our events. Also people that implemented and planned the events and being aware of like food and beverage and the needs and the breaks and all the things that go into this conversation. And because you definitely put some time, some research into what that looks like and what it means to drive ROI by increasing wellness at events. And I remember when you were talking about this at IMAX, you are mentioning that basically the secret sauce of all of this is three things, mindfulness and movement and meals. I would love for you to dive a little bit deeper into what that means. I mean, without giving away your presentation, but if you want to just touch on those things and why are those important, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think a big thing to go into this conversation and something I always start with is the fact that it's not about exclusion. It's about inclusion. It's yes and. When it comes to food, it's yes and. When it comes to mindfulness, it's yes and. When it comes to movement, it's yes and. It's not about this harsh restriction. There is this term right around the time we released the white paper. There was, I don't want to call it a scandal, but there was something that came out about goop and this term called toxic wellness, which was really interesting. It was basically wellness shaming, where people at Goop's headquarters 
were pushing their definition of wellness onto other people. And like, if somebody went for a run and didn't do their yoga, they're like, well, you should have done your yoga. Mm. Who cares? All of this, wellness means different things to different people. And so that's why all of these things, while it can seem daunting, it isn't. But the three M's really all influence each other. And the mindfulness is just giving people the opportunity so that they can focus on what you have spent all this time and money on presenting. There was also a study that just came out not too long ago from Microsoft about meeting fatigue and what happens to people's brains when they're in consecutive meetings or they sit in the same meeting for too long. They tune out. So if you're not taking care of people's ability to learn, they're going to quit remembering what you're trying to teach them. Movement is the same way. Someone who has a body that is moved and has expended energy is going to be able to focus and sit still for longer than someone who hasn't because they burn that energy off. And also the timing. I actually just made a new contact with a PhD and we're going to be working together. I'm releasing some new scientific data behind a lot of these things, which I was like blown away by. She was like, if you're going to trying to get a contract signed, Here's the time of day. I'll share it with you offline, but I'm gonna, it's going to be a teaser right here. Here's the time of day to do it because people are mentally fatigued and they're more likely to just sign the contract and be done with it and be like, what happened? Is this um, like manipulation or something? No, <laughs> Tactic. And then meals, you're doing all these other things. Like It's not about pulling cookies off the buffet, but like you can have whole fruit and cookies. Food is something, or meals, is something that can make people feel accepted or completely removed from a meeting. I had a mistake, and I will never forget it, where I had two colleagues at a very small marketing meeting we had. It was like our core team doing an offsite, and we didn't plan the food properly. We didn't plan the meals properly. And I saw them leaving during lunch when everyone was getting together and breaking bread and talking and chit-chatting and that bonding time, right? Like in between the content. And I saw them leaving and I was like, hey, everything all right? They're like, yeah, there's just nothing we can eat here. My heart sank because these people I'd known for like three years and they felt completely dejected from the group. I felt like I completely let them down. They are now going to remember that meeting, but for all the wrong reasons. So the other thing is, if it's someone's cheat day, they're going to be so angry all day that they can't get what they want. So it's yes and. Have whole fruit for dessert and cookies or brownies, whatever. But have those options so that people can choose their own adventure. Someone might go for the grilled chicken, then the cookies, whereas someone else might go for the steak and the whole fruit. They choose where they want their calories to come from, but give people the opportunity to eat the way they want to eat. And it doesn't mean you have to double the size of the buffet. It just means that you have to be more mindful about what you choose. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And leading with the same question, why should event professionals make it then a priority to take better care of themselves? I know for myself that, for example, my motivation is that obviously aside from trying to age well, I suppose, and also feeling strong is certainly building that kind of stamina that I know that I need for super long days. And many times, you know, when I have events running into each other, there is, you know, days when I live out of a suitcase and I go from event site to event site. And if you don't have that type of stamina that can carry you through, you're going to crash at one point, you know, regardless how well you try to take care of yourself, especially having to make for stressful days. Fitness has also been an outlet where 
where I can go and work out some of that stress and anxiety that was built throughout the day. And there's some challenging days in event productions and event planning and behind the scenes. And especially with the technology evolving at a lightning speed, there's always going to be some challenges to be overcome. And I can say more often than not, when I didn't make time for a workout, the toll on my body, I could tell the difference between the days when, you know, I, even if I didn't feel like it, do a run, do a workout, I don't know, do push-ups, burpees, whatever your choice, yoga might be, right? When I didn't do it, my body did not feel the same way, did not take pressure the same way. And it's always been in my advantage. I've always been happier if I put in the effort to go and do that. So coming back to the question, why is it important then for you and for event professionals in general, why should it be important to make wellness and fitness a priority? And why should it be important to all event and meeting professionals out there? I like to use the analogy of an oxygen mask on an airplane. Everyone knows the instructions. Put your own mask on before you help somebody else. Our job is to take care of everyone else, but we can't help anyone else if we don't take care of ourselves. You could also use another analogy of like, if you filled a base to pour water for people, how many people could you fill water for if there was a big old hole in the base? Those two things are exactly what happens to us when we don't take care of ourselves. The other thing is you wouldn't get up and on a random Saturday, go run a marathon if you hadn't trained for it. I mean, you could try. Maybe some people could try. <laughs> but it's not going to go well. You're going to end up in bad shape. There are some genetic anomalies. Yes, yes, I get it. But event days are rough. And the germs and the everything. And if you're not taking that time outside of your on-site days where you're training, you're sleeping, that's a big thing. You're eating right. You're getting your workouts in. Not only does all do all those things make you more effective on your day-to-day -day basis, but when you go into your on-site days and you walk 10 miles or you do 20,000 steps, or you're up for 16, 18, 20 hours, and you only have a four hour window, but now your body knows how to rest. When you lay down, it goes to sleep, it goes into REM, it knows the drill. It's like, okay, it, it's, you only have a short window. Your brain is gonna tell it, because you know how you like wake up just inherently, especially on those early days, and you wake up like 10 minutes before your alarm. Your brain knows what's up. You've conditioned it, but it knows that when you go to bed, it is prepared to rest. It knows what it needs to do. And by training outside of those event days, you can perform at a higher level when you are on site. And this is, none of this is new. This is old science. JFK did all this science back in the 60s when people are active and when they eat right, they perform better. That's why the presidential fitness test existed in schools for so long, because his idea to make America an amazing country was by taking care of our youth and taking care of our kids and ensuring that they ate well-rounded foods and exercised, because that made for a higher performing human. Absolutely. What happened to that? I think we need to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, I think that's a different conversation for that's a, that, that is a, a, that is a very different, different podcast. Absolutely. Well, taking a moment to tap into some of the things that you just said and share a bit of my story with that. I remember, you know, this past summer, uh, last year's summer was crazy. I mean, everybody's probably experienced an extra level of stress just because of how crazy the industry turned around. And we went from virtual to in-person and then back to virtual and then to in-person again and hybrid. And then we were all traveling left and right without stopping for quite a few months in the end. And I remember being in San Fran for an 
event that I was doing. And I was on a team that was new. It was a new client. It was a new vendor I was working with. And I was basically test driving a brand new system. And also I wanted to work with this vendor because it was, you know, a potential new partner that I wanted to have uh, an opportunity to establish rapport with. So I was supposed to be the lead of V1 for the two-day hybrid event show. And what I'm trying to get to here is how fitness and this wellness mindset has really saved my bacon, basically, because I was under some crazy amount of pressure. When I got there, I realized that, first off, I have not been part of any of the pre-production planning meetings, which is never a good idea, but it happens many times that you are not part of those meetings. I was flying straight out from across the country from another event and I was walking in on equipment that has never been tested not put together and also something that I haven't sourced myself so I had no idea what am I walking into so the setup day as we are unloading the truck and I'm basically starting to piece together what I've got to work with. I'm looking at my workflow and I'm realizing that what I've got to do does not match the tools I have at hand and it's a high profile event, high profile client. And I had that moment of panic of realizing this event right now sits on my shoulders. There's nobody else with my expertise. Nobody knows more than I do. And I've got to figure out how the heck I'm going to make this work. So in other words, I freaked out for a moment. Like I remember going to the bathroom and hyperventilating and be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm going to sink like the narrative that's going to my mind, right? It's like, I'm going to sing this show. Like, that's it. Like what they're sending me to do, it's impossible. Like there's no way I can make this happen. And that's when having that training, having done that resilience, that workouts and challenges, really, they do train your mind to go through. I backed up, you know, for a moment and I started like going at it, like, okay, this is a challenge. And let's start from the beginning. I have a few strategies, honestly, in a nutshell that I usually apply when I'm like under pressure or like when I feel like, okay, everything is like out of control. And I know that if I don't pause, (laughs) I'm going to like lose it. Right. So first off is I focus on my breathing. Like I do box breathing or like, I just need to slow down my brain, get away from like my, you know, freaked out amygdala into my rational brain so I can process, okay, what is it that I know? What is it that I have? And then start from there and then piece things together from there, right? I can add something about box breathing. Yes, please do. It's funny that you mentioned box breathing because what's really great about box breathing is it comes from a weird place that most people don't realize and that's military. They teach soldiers box breathe when they're under fire because it actually calms your mind. It brings your heart rate down, the mental and physical benefits of it. And a box breath, in case nobody knows, it's you inhale for four seconds, you hold for four seconds, you release for four seconds, which leads me to another really interesting thing that that you bring up about this is I got to go to Psych Classic in San Diego and they had a morning workout with the Navy SEALs. It was on the beach and I was I didn't know what was going to happen, but I was like, I'm in, like, I got to go do this. It was all body weight stuff, but they had us in and out of the water. They had us in the sand. Surprise, surprise. I bonded with both the instructor and his other person because he owns a CrossFit gym and we talked about CrossFit and whatnot. But what was really interesting is he told all of us what they look for when they are training SEALs and why they do what they do. 
in way of like trying to intentionally break people. He said, we don't look for the strongest. We don't look for the fastest. You can get faster. You can get stronger. What we train and look for is who has the least amount of quit. And that really stuck with me. He's like, who's going to keep going? Who isn't going to just fold? He goes, we put people in and out of the water, in the sand, get sand in all the nooks and crannies of your body. And then you don't get to shower and you have to go learn. So you want to talk about like really like a a shitty meeting. Sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. But like you do. (laughs) We're adults, David. We can say whatever the heck we want. (laughs) You do all this physical stuff. You're dirty. You might smell. Mm You go eat, then you go to class, you don't get to shower, you're supposed to learn, you're supposed to retain things. And he says, you're supposed to be bruised and chafed just to see who's going to quit. And that really stuck with me. Usually in like when I'm in a workout that's like multiple rounds and it's like just close to the halfway point, I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to do this anymore. That sticks in my head and I'm like, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. And that's exactly what you did in that situation when you were like, the sky is literally falling. What do I do? But you don't quit. Yeah. And honestly, that was my thing is like, I need to get my heart rate down because obviously it was escalated. I knew feeling my body that I'm like panicking. Like this is, it's kind of like it's do or die. Like I either show up and save this event or it's on me that's all going to fail, right? So box breathing, that's my go-to technique. Then the second one, I like to engage my core. And honestly, I was in the restroom. I literally got on the floor. I know, not very sanitary. Who cares? I'm like, I'm going to do just a few push-ups because I needed my body, my core to engage. I just needed to have, to give my brain the break that it needed to just come up with a solution just think about to like be free from you know everything else as I'm pushing basically my body to do something else so I can work through what I've got to deal with right now and then the last step I think that that kind of a little bit works actually speaks to what you just said about when you're in the middle of a grueling workout and you're halfway and you still have a lot of reps to do what works for me my strategy is segmentation basically in my mind I use this tactic where if I have 15 wraps and they're really high loaded and the capacity I'm like barely making it through each one of those wraps I just go in increments I'm only going to do five and then I do five again and then I'm going to do five again right or if I run and I'm not a runner and I honestly during my prep I had to run miles upon miles and I'm like I hated every single mile of those running I need to do cardio and and car and running has been the most efficient way to do it no I don't like burpees <laughs> so I was you know at times I'm like I have to do a 10k and I hate the idea of having to do a 10k but you know what I'm gonna start with one mile and then towards the end of that mile I'm like okay I'm gonna do another mile and I'm gonna do that or I would just set up visually you know something that I'm running towards I'm like okay I'm just running to that obstacle or I'm running to the next one and the next one and having that type of segmentation in your brain like you allow your brain to just take it one step at a time right so you don't get yourself overwhelmed with like this whole task like this whole workout and especially when it's challenging it's hard to push through something that you feel like there's no end to it like when i do any type of activity where i don't have a count to i feel lost like i can't carry on with the same intensity unless i'm able to count towards that one goal because then i can right segment my way through it and that type of like strategy has saved my bacon that particular event where i was looking at my workflow i was looking what i had and i said okay 
this is what I know. This is what I can make work and do. And I'm going to take it one tiny step at a time. And four or five hours into that whole process, the whole system started working and it made sense, right? But it's like that type of task. If you don't figure out a strategy to make it work for you, you're going to crash under pressure. You're going to quit, like you said. Yep. And when you're doing that on a regular basis, you don't even realize that you're prepared for it when it hits the fan at work. But it hits the fan and you're like, this is nuts, but let's figure it out. It's like when you find out what the workout is, you're like, this is a nightmare. I'm going to die. Yes. And then you're like, well, Just okay. looking at some of your workouts that you post, I'm like, oh, it's a nightmare. Oh, no, 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 no. But you're like, okay, well, so I'll do it. And you just, you start working through it. And when you practice that every day, not necessarily, you need a rest day. But when you practice that on a regular basis, you have so much mental fortitude to go into an event where we literally plan for the worst and hope for the best. You are prepared. It doesn't matter what happens. You're going to be ready for it. I want to hear some, uh, maybe one story that you might have that comes to mind right now in the context of what I just shared, where maybe some of your fitness tactics have helped you overcome something challenging in your professional life and anything that you were able to say, yep, this is actually leaning heavily on my routine, on my strategies when I'm actually doing those, you know, fitness, CrossFit challenges, something that you could draw a parallel and say, yep, I see it. Now I understand even more why it's so important. I would probably say it's been a lot of like physical things in the sense of if we're exhibiting at a trade show and something's wrong with the booth or like there's one time the booth was off by like 90 degrees and I was able to just say, hey, and like the exhibit team was there and I said, okay, you grab that corner, you grab that corner, I'm going to get this one. And we just were able to pick it up and shift it. it. (laughs) Right. And then it was just done. But they were like, well, we're going to have to tear it down and blah, blah, blah. No, let's just pick it up and move it. Well, we're just going to pick it up. Yeah, we'll just pick it up. I it, can't tell that, you how many times I've done that with stages. They'd be like, no, we need to bring the banquet people. To, I'm like, okay, I, we've got four able bodies. We can make this work. And then it's done. Like, because Lord knows how long it's going to take to get the right people there. Just being physically ready when things come up and being able to pick up a table and be like, oh, no, we, that this table is supposed to go over there up the table with like one finger and be like, watch out, I'm going to move this from here to there. Like, oh, no big deal. No, but like everything's like set and ready, right? But then like, so they're all gone before they're going to come back out for service. And you're like, this table needs to go over there. Our session's going to end early. We just got to move this table. Just those kinds of things that has empowered me to always be ready to ensure that we can get done what we need to get done. I think that's probably the mental stuff. I don't know. Like, I I can't say I've necessarily thought about it because I think when we go into events, we're just prepared for things to go wrong. And so when it goes wrong, we just deal with it. Absolutely. Well, because you're an event planner and you've been in the industry for 20 years, not everybody's prepared for it. Many people just collapse under pressure. And, you know, for me, I've seen it again and again, where having the mental capacity to build that strength in other ways in through other means, it's really only going to be a benefit, whatever you're at, where things just, you know, don't always work as planned. And let me tell you, as much as we love to have a plan, a solid plan, that doesn't always happen. So piggyback, on what we just started talking about because it's such an important topic. Why should it also matter to our attendees? 
Well, I think if, if we can give our attendees the opportunity to bring the way they like to live at home to the event, they're going to feel accepted. They're going to feel included. There's a concept going around called return on emotion. It's a really great concept, but there's a number of things. It's the, the acronym is HAM because there's three A's, but it's hopeful, accepted, adventurous, motivated. And I always struggle with the last A, but the idea is you give people the opportunity to be fully engaged and fully involved by doing things at events, by offering people workout options or mindfulness options that they maybe always thought about, but never took the chance on doing. They have the opportunity to go try it and see if they like it or not. And that gives them both a sense of adventure and a sense of acceptance because they're what they like to do is, is a part of that. I think by giving people the opportunity with an intentional agenda design gives people mental breaks so that they can process what they learned and the opportunity to engage with the rest of the community that's in attendance. It helps them retain more information. And then by the time they leave, they feel like their time away from their loved ones was worth it because they're walking away with more. And I don't mean stuff and tchotchkes and that whatnot, but they actually feel like their time was better spent mm -hmm. because... They feel better after coming to an event. And you just summarize basically what I was going to ask you as the last point, the last question, bring it all home. What are the benefits for event professionals and attendees? Is there anything else to add to what you just said? <laughs> I don't think there is. I think we're all trying to do more with less. And this is the easiest way I found to impact both yourself and your attendees that everyone will get more out of it. Well, we could talk some more about wellness at events and increasing ROI through that, right? Also, that would turn in probably a two-hour episode, which is not what we set our timing to be. So to conclude, because this has been a fantastic conversation so far, David, and I want to thank you for your input and all the experience that you bring and your perspective to the topic that we just discussed. In closing, what wellness tips would you like to pass along to maybe the new generation of event planners that are coming into our industry that have an opportunity to do things differently? Yeah, I think it's tough when you're new because you're at the will of other people and you're basically just getting told what to do most of the time. And a lot of times you're probably going to think their ideas are stupid. So I think if you take an approach of curiosity and do it in a way that's approachable, you can ask, you know, why are we doing things this way? Or why have we done things this way? Or what's the attendee experience outcome of doing things this way? I think there's a way to position your curiosity in a positive way. It will seem like you're hungry for knowledge, that your superiors thinking that they're doing things the wrong way. But I think there's also a real opportunity to do things differently. I personally, I think the whole quiet quitting term, I think it's overthought. And I think it's really more along the lines of people setting their own personal boundaries in a place where they're not being, let's say, taken advantage of as much as they used to be. People have reprioritized and people are more protective of themselves than they used to be. And I think it's awesome. I know that's not going to go over with everyone, but I think in a lot of countries where there are very strict and protective labor laws, like in Europe, quiet quitting probably isn't a thing because, you know, you don't have that option. No, it's there's boundaries in place by law. Um, I think as a newcomer to the industry, there's a great opportunity to learn and listen and question in a positive way. I, I'm sure you, this doesn't surprise you because we've gotten to know each other a little bit since IMAX. I always questioned authority. My kind of person that would just not 
take a no for an answer just because somebody said so. Yeah, like the most infuriating thing my parents ever said to me was because I said so. And I was like, <laughs> no, 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 that's not good enough. But yeah, I think it's tough when you're new and you're going to get told what to do left and right. And you're going to get anytime you get told the answer because we've always done things that way. That's when they don't have a good reason, most likely, for why they do things the way they do. But I think there's also a real opportunity if you're new to the industry. And let's just say you're an independent event planner and you get the opportunity to actually have some say in some of those decisions, right? You have an opportunity, a real opportunity to do things a little bit differently than what it's been done before, exactly for the reasons that you just mentioned. Why have we done things this way for so long? And why can we look at it from a different point of view or change things around or flip them upside down or think outside of the box? Break the box. I don't know, like whatever it takes. I love when there's new blood coming in, like new ideas, fresh ideas. And sometimes it can be challenging. Like it can be challenges for veterans like us, right? Be like, what do you mean questioning my ideas, right? <laughs> but there is opportunity for growth there. Like the same way how the fifth CrossFit event pro is going to challenge you this year and be like, David, I don't like that you're going to self-proclaim yourself now to be the fifth year in a row. How about I'm going to challenge you to that? <laughs> and I welcome that. I, yeah, I think that's a flip side of the message, right? If you are a veteran in this industry and you have new people working for you, listen to them. What kind of crazy half-baked idea do they have that could turn into something amazing? They don't know any better. They don't know any different. They know what they've been to. They've probably gone to something highly curated and experiential. And we're all trying to impact our attendee experience. So if they're asking you, why have we done it that way? Hear them out. Let's find out what their ideas are because it might be the next big thing. And that's how we're going to conclude today's episode. But before we do that, for anyone that maybe has some of those crazy ideas that they want to run by you, where can they connect with you? I'm on everything as at David T, as in Tom Stevens. So it's basically just like here, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. I don't really use the book of faces too much, but yeah. We'll have all those links in the episode notes. Thank you everyone for listening to our conversation. Thank you, David, for showing up, being present and sharing from your your wealth of wisdom and experience in the event industry. For anyone that wants to challenge David uh, in his upcoming Olympic CrossFit competition, is there a place where they can go and register? Like, how does that work? Yeah, it's open.crossfit.com. If you can't find it, send me a message. The registration is already open. You can live anywhere in the world and it's three weeks. I think it costs 25 bucks and that's it. And then the workouts will come out. The other thing is that I would say is I encourage anyone and everyone to participate in it because while you may not be able to do a particular version that the most elite athletes in the world do, I do not consider myself that. They have other versions. And what's really fun about it is you can compete against yourself year over year. And so you can see where you as an individual improve year over year. And that's been the greatest part of it that I've really, really enjoyed more than anything else is the fact that I've got to watch myself improve year over year as well. And I love that. And in fitness and in business and basically anywhere else, I think that's the takeaway. Don't compete against anybody else. Compete against yourself. That's basically yep. your biggest competitor right there. And make sure that you improve year after year. And that's enough. That should be enough. Well, thank you, David. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for the work that you do in the event industry, for the inspiration that you provide for all event profs out there to just show up for themselves and take wellness seriously and improve 
implement some of those things at their events. And thank you for everyone that stay tuned till the end. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of our new episodes coming up this season because we're definitely going to focus more on wellness and mental health and just tips to carry us through another year. Who knows what this year will bring? But hey, we said that for the last few years, so it's always going to be a surprise. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And for everyone else that is listening to us, tune in for our next episode coming up on a Friday. See you soon. Thank you for listening to the Events Demystified podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to review it, rate it, and share it with other event professionals that could benefit from it. Connect with us on social at Events Demystified Podcast. We would love to hear from you and what you're up to. If you'd like to learn more about Tree Fan Event Services and find out if we're a good fit in supporting your event, can we help your event be successful with a 20-minute free consultation? Link in the episode's notes. Thanks for tuning in.